Happy Friday, everybody. Whoa, do we have a great show for you today. First off, we're going to be talking about a new study that says that wine and beer actually might be helpful for you as you get older to not lose your memory. Next, we're going to do a Jay Leno burn update. He's out of the hospital, but now that I know what happened to him, I have some serious questions. And lastly, there was a doctor, a cosmetic doctor in Florida that sexually assaulted his patients while they're under anesthesia. What? We're going to talk about that right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk, an honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle with your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer, Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a like, subscribe if you like our show. It really helps us out. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Sarah Bennett. What's up? In the box is the man and the legend, Trelvis. What's up, man? What's happening? What's happening? How's it going? It's going. Just another Friday. I hear you. Good yeah. Morning. Everybody doing good? Can't yeah. complain. Right on. So I do have a pretty good story, but before I launch into my random story about family with the recent holidays, did anything Black Friday? Did you guys, you were going to get a Roomba or something, Travis? Did that happen or I what? Did. You I, did? I, I did. Vacuum? I got one. I actually named her Kathy Linda, so that's her full name now. Kathy Linda the Kathy, Roomba. Yeah, Kathy Linda. So how's Kathy Linda doing in the house? Uh, she's doing good. I used her twice now. She's cleaned up. Um, she's very quiet. Nice. Um, and she's productive, so nice. that's all I can ask for around the house. Quiet and productive. Awesome, man. You're <laughs> <laughs> just talking about vacuum. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that goes for anything, including me. Quiet and productive. Yeah, right. You don't want something in there, like, causing a ruckus, right? Yeah, yeah. I stay on the third sure, sure. floor, so I can't be too noisy. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, any uh, shopping over the Black Friday weekend? I didn't I really do, do any. Like, like I said, last time I went Black Friday shopping, I got a Dyson vacuum. That was the last time? Yeah. 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 So pretty and, quiet. Yeah. I don't, I don't like being around all those people. It's yeah. I don't stressful. really either. Yeah. I didn't really do any Black Friday shopping. I just like, I don't know. I just have so much going on. It's like, I just. I bought stuff on Cyber Monday though. Oh, you did? Anything yeah. cool? No. I brought a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. I guess technically I got Linda on Cyber Monday. Oh, I did actually. Oh. Yeah, I got her on Cyber Monday. I did part. buy, uh, I mean, I, I think I, I mentioned this before. I do collect like vintage, uh, like music t shirts. Yes. I did pick up two vintage music t shirts on the Black Friday sales. Oh, okay. cool. Yeah. There's a. Uh, what bands? Uh, one was Megadeth. <laughs> Which, okay, so I'm not a huge Megadeth fan. Like, you know, they're like an 80s, like, thrash metal band. But, like, their graphics on their shirt were really cool. And that's some of the things that I look for when I'm looking at vintage shirts is, like, does the graphic, like, really stand out? And so, yeah, it was a really, really cool graphic. And the shirt looks like it's, like, it was put into a drawer for 40 years. And nice. Yeah, it's, like, pristine. Like, it's so nice. And the other one was Dinosaur Jr. They were, like, an alt band from the... uh <laughs> from, great name. Yeah, anyway, so like Sounds some of like the, a toy. Yeah, so like some of their shirts are pretty iconic, like the artwork. You know, I, I actually liked Dinosaur Jr. back in the day. Megadeth was a little too, you know. I've heard of that band. Megadeth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should bring some. I, I need to like actually, I have so, so many at this point. I should like start putting them on social media just. When I think of iconic album t-shirts, I think, I think it's Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Rainbow and the Triangle. 
Yeah, so, yeah, 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 another break in the wall. That's, uh, uh, yeah, that's like the classic one. So it's like the prism and the white light. And then, the, yeah. That one's really cool. Like, that one's pretty iconic. And then the Led Zeppelin with the fallen angel. Like, that one's pretty awesome. I have. Oh, yeah, I think, I saw, I think I've seen that Def one. Def Leppard. Def Leppard's got some pretty iconic ones. Who's the band with the lips? Like, it's like just a lips. Uh, the Rolling Stone. Oh. Rolling Stone. Well, Kiss is like, yeah, Kiss oh. has got to make it. But the Rolling Stones, too, yeah, have the, the big lips. Yeah, sticks their tongue out. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I get a pretty insane collection. In fact, it's kind of driving my wife crazy because, like, in our closet, like, I just have, like, these vintage tees, like, stacked up now because I don't have room for them. But, like, I don't want to store them because I like to wear them, you know? But. Absolutely. Anyway, I do have kind of a funny story. And this goes back to, like, being in the holidays and, like, having, you know, family in town. So, so actually, uh, you know, I have a lot of half-brothers and sisters because both my parents were married before they married each other. And so I have a sister, and she's, like, 15 or 16 years older than me. Um, you know, she's my, my, my mom's daughter. And so she lives up in uh, New England and Massachusetts. I don't see her all the time. She was down for Thanksgiving. And so we were just like talking and, you know, having a good time. And she's like, we started talking about like stories about me when I was young. Cause I that guess, my, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Like, it's like, Oh, you never want to hear those. But, um, I guess that my mom, uh, used to call my sister when I would do bad stuff and be like, oh, you know, you're not going to believe, you know, what Bruce did. So my sister proceeds to tell me the story about something I did. And like, I literally didn't believe her. I was like, there's no way that this is true. And so I, <laughs> I asked my mom and she's like, yes, this absolutely is a true story. So, so I was about 10 years old. So apparently I'm a criminal mastermind as a child. So, right, right, yeah. right, right. So listen, so when I was 10 years old, um, we were going up to New England to visit some friends uh, over like the, the summer. And uh, in New Hampshire, where we were going, it's legal to shoot off fireworks, but you can't buy them. Oh. Well, here in Texas, it's legal to buy them, but technically you can't shoot them off in city limits, which I lived in city limits and we didn't have like a farm or anything. So I could buy all these fireworks, but I couldn't shoot them off. So, so I, I basically wanted to buy the fireworks here and then take them to New Hampshire and, and shoot them off, right? It's, it's a good idea. So I, I told my mom, it's like, all right, well, I bicycle down to the fireworks store. I spent a bunch of money on these fireworks and I'm going to take them with me to New Hampshire. And she's like, you, you can't do that. Like you can't take explosives on an airplane. Like they, they will stop you and like, it'll be a big deal. So you, you, you can't do it. I'm like, Oh, okay. So what I did is I took the fireworks and I literally taped them to my body with duct tape, like on my legs, <laughs> my arms and my torso. And then I put on sweatpants both bottom and top. And I walked through security, got on the plane, went to the bathroom, undressed, took all the fireworks off my body and put them in my duffel bag and then went back to my seat. And at some point during the flight, I was sitting in my chair and I, I pulled up my bag and I opened it and it's just like overflowing with fireworks. And my mom like freaks out. She's like, how did you get through security with all those fireworks? And so I proceeded to tell the story of like, how I taped them all to my body to get through security. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way that that's a true story. Like, so my sister's telling me this, cause I don't, I don't really remember that. I mean, I was nine or 10 years old. Like, I mean, you blocked no. it out. Well, I mean, I don't know. You I just, were under so much stress. I don't know. I just don't remember. Like, I, I, I mean, I vaguely remember like times when I was trying to get fireworks up there. Like that's a, a memory. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's pretty ballsy that, for like, I mean, geez. that definitely would not be able to happen now. So yeah, I guess. I mean, I, yeah, probably not. I mean, things were a little bit looser back in. That would have been the 80s, like the mid 80s. Yeah. 
Yeah. I uh, can only imagine you like nine, ten years old with these like um, fireworks strapped to you, and then somebody like walk up to you like close with like a cigarette, and you like please back up. It reminds me of uh, Have you guys ever watched that movie Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Where they're like smuggling the money and like they're taping it to their bodies. It's like like I was ahead of my time, man. Are you nervous? I, I don't know. You don't remember. I don't remember. That's why I'm I, like, you must have blocked it out because I, you were under so much stress. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I was nervous or I'm just like, okay, this is just like, you this know. This is who I am now. Yeah, this is I'm who I am. A, I'm a smuggler. Yeah, you're, I'm like, I'm you're Han, a I probably thought I was like Han smuggler. Solo, you know, because like, you know, I was a Star Wars days and like, I loved Han Solo. He was like a smuggler. And I was like, dude, I'm just like Han Solo, man. Just walking right through security, walking past the Empire. Maybe with it's my your contra- alter ego. Like, it, it, it takes over you. So, like, you just don't remember what you need. That's your alter ego, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe I, I don't know. I just, I, I just blocked it out. I'm not sure. Because yeah. 19, you would think you would remember that. You would think so, right? Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, I guess nothing traumatic happened. Like, you know, I didn't get caught. Like, we, we made it. Like, right. no, yeah. no one stopped us. There was no police, you know, involvement. So, yeah, anyway, so I, I thought that was so funny. Like, I, uh, I'm glad I heard that story. <laughs> Bruce Firecracker Hermit. Yeah. <laughs> the smuggler. Firecracker smuggler. <laughs> smuggler. Anyway, well, you guys, uh, if you guys talk with any family, you get any good stories, you got to share them. I shared, my, I shared my criminal mastermind story. I don't know Fortun- that I'm, I will ever share any of my <laughs> Sarah taking it to the grave. Fortunately, I got my life together, and I, I, I steered away from my life of crime. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on from crime stories to actual medical stuff, because I do have a pretty interesting story. I guess this would fall into a medical 411. And what would would I be you guys' hero if I told you that wine and beer actually is good for your mental health? Yeah. Like, you think so? I'm about to be your hero then. Because, uh, well, and you know, I mean, we have known as doctors that there are some benefits to alcohol. Because have you guys ever heard of the thing about how small amounts of like wine or alcohol? Like cardiovascular stuff. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. So. Actually, what alcohol does in, in certain doses, and, and, and they always say low doses, it does it in high doses too, but then you start to get the bad sides of it. But when you, when you have like <laughs> modest alcohol intake, it actually increases your HDL, which you guys know about HDL. We talked about it the other day. It's the good part of your cholesterol. Yeah. So when your HDL is high, your risk of uh, cardiovascular disease and stroke goes down. And so alcohol does increase that. And so you'll, you'll always see these articles every once in a while. It's like, oh, a glass of wine at dinner is actually good for you. And that is absolutely true. Well, a new study came out, uh, Travis got a picture of it, and this is the Journal of Neurology. And so it's got a big long title, basically it's saying the association of dietary intake, meaning what you eat of flavanols with changes in global cognition and several cognitive abilities. And like in really kind of layman's terms or basic terms, this study is looking at this particular metabolite and if you take that, does it help your memory? And so that uh, product is called flavanol. So your next question is probably, yeah, what, you know, is that? what in the world is a flavanol? <laughs> so I, got, I do have like a little slide here. So first off, flavonoids are plant metabolites. They're basically just parts of plants. And flavanols are a subclass of flavonoids that have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties, which both are good things for your body. We don't want inflammation in our body, and we don't like want free radicals and, and oxidant. That's like what, remember the last time we talked about um, supplements, like everything right. was everything anti-inflammatory. <laughs> yes, okay, so these are yeah. natural anti-inflammatory antioxidants. Yeah. And there's four specifically, quercetin, 
Camp for All, Mira Satan, and Iserhamnitin. I probably butchered all those names. <laughs> I was looking at those like, am I going to be able to say those words on the show? Those are, no. That's the names you should have named your vacuum. <laughs> would have been terrible. I'm going to name my children that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be definitely unique, right? This is my child, Mira Satan. <laughs> These look like, they're like Game of Thrones names Myra almost. Mm. Lord Camp for All, I'm here for the Iron Throne. Thanks. <laughs> all right, all right, so I'm derailing myself. I'm going to pull it back. All right, so, so these products are found in various things. Uh, leafy vegetables, cool. fruits, teas, but also wine and beer. What about oh, whiskey? Wow. So, I looked, I, so that was my question because I, I like to drink liquor. I'm a bourbon slash rum guy. Yeah. So I'm like, am I getting these benefits from this? And there's yeah. a little bit. It's not near <laughs> as much. Like it's much better in yeah. wine or beer. So I left liquor out of there. So... You know, sorry for me that what I drink doesn't do it. But anyway, so this same, study, same. this was a good study. You know, I, I always kind of like look at research studies with a little bit of a grain of salt because having been in that world of writing research papers and reviewing research papers, like there's a lot of bad studies out there. There's studies that have bad conclusions or bad data. This is not one of those studies. This study had like almost a thousand people in it. So that's that's, that's a pretty big number. It was looking at people 60 years or older. Okay, so an older population. And it followed them for an average of seven years. So that's a pretty good length of time. Long yeah. study. So what the study did is it looked at their dietary intake of flavanols and actually broke it down into those separate ones. But I don't want to get too confusing. But it looked at the flavanols and it divided them into classes of people who had almost no intake. So that'd be like less than five milligrams of flavanols like middle intake and like high intake. So high intake would be like greater than 15 milligrams of flavanols. And so they divided the people into those groups and then they submitted them to 19 different cognitive tests and they did that annually. Okay. And then they looked at the data. And so the data showed- It was good. <laughs> what? I said it was good. It was good. So what it showed is that when you compared the group that had the least amount of flavanol intake to the one that had the highest, there was a statistically significant decrease in the rate of cognitive decline. Because in that age group of 16 older, you expect that if you test them every year, you're gonna see their cognitive abilities go slowly down. Mm -hmm. That's just how, how our brains work. As we right. get older, we aren't quite as sharp as we used to be. And so in the group that had the low rate of flavanol intake, you saw something like this, but in the one that had the high intake, it was more like that. So it wasn't like it reversed it completely and it wasn't like it, you know, made it get better, but it decreased the expected decline, which, I mean, that's a pretty notable thing that, you know, there are certain things that you could intake in your body. And, and of course, I made this very kind of sensational with, oh, it's beer and wine, drink it, you know, you're, you're going to be better because you could really get the same effect from just eating vegetables, right? right? Right. But there are people out there, you know, I'm thinking of like my brother, he, he hates like vegetables and like fruit, like I can't get him to eat it. You know, so that's where this study and, and how I phrased it might come into play. Because, you know, the, the, the bad news about this study is that if you were only relying on the beer and wine, then you'd be taking more beer and wine than is safe. Yeah. You know? Because in order to get to that highest level of flavanols, like you'd have to drink the equivalent of a bottle of wine a day or six beers a day. Which, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that do that. I mean, we have friends who are really into wine. We have people who are in the alcohol industry. And I know for a fact that they're drinking, you know, that much a day, which is unhealthy. I mean, to be, you know, yeah. just very blunt Honest, about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But where I think that you know the average person could can maybe you know get something from this is one just knowing that these flavanols can improve your cognitive abilities as you get older. I mean, you could take away from this study is when I get into my 60s, I need to make sure I eat my vegetables. You know, or you could say, well, I don't really like vegetables, but if I have a glass of wine every night because I like wine and I want to you know get the cardiovascular you know benefits from it, then also you're getting the benefits of decrease of yeah. cognitive decline. So, yeah. So. Just including wine and beer as a balanced part of your life. Yeah, it's not a bad. Just like not, everything. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. You know, of course, you know there. You always have to be careful when you're talking about alcohol, because like the one thing I don't want people to take away from this is like, oh, there's a doctor on the YouTube saying that I should be drinking a lot every day, yeah. because that's the you know not exactly like not not what we're saying at all. Right. Um, and that does bring up a question too of, you know, what is a safe amount of alcohol to drink? I mean, yes. that's a question, you know, there was a joke. So I was in medical and I'll kind of, you know, derail my own conversation again. So there was always a joke in medical school and it was like, you know, the joke is, you know, what is the definition of an alcoholic? Have you ever told me to tell this joke? No. Travis, you haven't heard me tell this one? Oh, uh, I've never heard it. Oh, uh, the definition of an alcoholic is somebody who drinks more than their doctor. Right. Oh, <laughs> that was like a joke in med school, right? Say, it sounds like a doctor joke. It's a doctor joke, right? <laughs> doctor jokes a are doctor usually dad joke. <laughs> doctor, not only is it a doctor joke, it's a dad joke. Yeah, it's the, it is. <laughs> it's a bad joke. All right. So anyway, um, but you know, uh, it, we should be you know more serious about okay, what is a unhealthy amount of alcohol? And so there is a little bit of debate about that. You know, when you look at different you know, organizations, that number does fluctuate. So I would say like, if you want to be like super safe with alcohol, like absolutely no, you know, I don't want to say absolutely no risk, but like just very, very lowest risk, then it should be two drinks a day for men and only one for women. Okay. Now there are other groups out there that say that that is a little restrictive that, you know, if you want to just, you know, be in the, you know, reasonably safe, because everything is risky, right? I mean, even eating regular foods is risky. I mean, if I go eat like a bunch of fried food, my risk of heart disease goes up. And so with alcohol, same thing. So if you want to be like in the reasonably safe category, then it's three to four drinks per men per day, but only 15 per week. And then two for women up to eight per week. Yeah. I wonder, I'm interested in to see, or just to finding out how that study would be in like Europe because I know Europeans drink more alcohol. Yeah. They, well, yeah, and they drink a lot of wine part, too. It's part of their like, it's part of their culture. Yeah. I mean, I it's part of ours too, but more of so of like, let's get, yeah, let's get hammered. Yeah. yeah. Not, <laughs> let's drink wine because it's lovely. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's funny. And, and this is actually, I think I've told you guys before, I'm actually a um, certified sommelier. So I, I did an international wine guild class about wine. Cause my, my wife, and I, we, I, I like wine. I, I more like the idea of wine. Like I like. You wish you liked it more, so you're gonna try. I mean, I, I do like <laughs> it. I like pairing it with food. I like the tech, you know, the technical aspects of it, of learning about it, you know, and why is this wine different, and why does this wine taste good with this food, and yeah. that that one. I mean, that really kind of appeals to me. And so we went and did this international wine class. Um, but anyway, so uh, I kind of derailed my own conversation. I'm not drinking enough alcohol, actually. <laughs> You're not drinking enough. So I derailed my own conversation. But um, no, what I was going to say is that it's interesting talking about like Europe versus the UA USA. When you get wines from Europe, they are more geared toward drinking with food. 
you know, uh, we always joke about that, like in our like wine group is like, you know, you can tell like a European wine because it has like a really good smell to it, but the taste is a little flatter than an American wine. And it's because wines in Europe are meant to be paired with food versus wines in America, you just drink by the pool on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's interesting that you point that out. But, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, I was going to ask this earlier, do you guys have a favorite beer or wine? Like, are you guys beer or wine drinkers? Um, I like beer and do wine. Um, I have a new favorite beer, actually. What? Have you tried Mango Cart? No. You haven't? You should try it. So it's a fruit beer, which I know that sounds, you know, weird to a lot it's a lot of fruit here right but like uh but it's actually really good and it's kind of low alcohol so you know you don't you're not gonna is it kind of like a cider beer no it's a real beer it's absolutely a real beer it was there was apparently these mango carts in california that would make this beer and sell it and so this company started making it it's kind of new but what's funny is like like my wife hates beer but she loves mango cart oh i'll have to try it yeah i like wine i always buy josh that's like my go-to. Josh? It's just, I don't know, it's Josh. Is it in a box? No. Okay, I'm just kidding. It's fancy, okay? <laughs> box wine. Box wine, yeah. I remember uh, drinking box wine like in high school. Franzia. I didn't, I drank freaking Keystone. Boone's Farm? I didn't drink anything, actually. I didn't either. I would never drank until I was 21. Never. Anyway, so, so uh, I did think that this study has some interesting points to it. And, you know, really, like, the, the real take-home is there's products called flavanols. They're in leafy vegetables. They're in fruits. They're in teas. Yes, they are in wine and beer. And as you get older, there's studies that show that if you take, if you eat foods that have these, these substances in them, that it will improve your cognition or at least decrease the rate of decline. So I think it's a good study. Yeah, hopefully, maybe they'll research it more and see if it helps with like dementia and stuff. So actually, there was a couple when I was doing the research, I did see a couple things about that. I'll have to dig into it. My grandma had got dementia, it like runs yeah. in the family. Really? And I'm like, I she never drank alcohol ever, and she rarely ate mm. vegetables. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it would be more interesting to know is if like you have zero intake of these flavanols, like if you it, see like a dramatic that's decrease. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I like, mean, my grandma was like a child. I'll, when she I'll, got older, she would not eat really? vegetables. Yeah. I'll do. I'll do a little bit more research. I did see like you know I pulled a bunch of research articles when I was doing this, and I did see a couple things that talked about dementia and flavanols. So yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. So yeah. All right. Interesting. Good talk. All right. So. Gonna move on. This is kind of an update slash NipTuck 911. You know, I remember we did a few weeks ago the story about Jay Leno who was burned in a fire. Well, I have a Jay Leno burn update, and I I have some questions about his treatments to yeah. be to be honest. So I'm gonna kind of recap for everybody. So on November the 12th, Jay Leno was burned. He was underneath one of his cars. There was a flash gasoline fire. He got burned on his face, uh, face, hands, supposedly his chest. Uh, he went to a hospital. They deemed him as not life-threatening burns. He was transferred to this Grossman Burn Center, which is like this kind of concierge burn center, which I remember last or however many weeks ago when we were talking about that, I kind of like raised my eyebrow at that because that's not like a normal thing. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk more about that later. But uh, so he was in there for nine days. He was discharged on November the 21st. And now that he's discharged, uh, there's a lot more information. One, they did some kind of interviews with that place. And, and I have some pictures of him that I want to show. All right, so picture on the left is his face. Yeah, and his hand is messed up. 
Yeah, I mean, it is and it's not. I mean, you know, I so... Mean, it looks better, I guess, than before. Well, I mean, as far as burns go, like, that's a pretty typical partial thickness burn appearance. You know, you're going to have, like, some discoloration. You know, I can see that he had blisters, but, you know, you can see the one blister that's kind of in his web space. Like, it's actually pretty pink in there, which is good. That means it's just a partial thickness burn. Mm -hmm. likewise, likewise on his face, you can see where he had some blistering. But, and here's the other picture too, it's a little bit, you know, further, I think that's like the next week, you know, you can see that these blisters have just basically turned to some scabbing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, overall, I look at those burns, I'm like, these are not really that bad of burns. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're significant enough, you know, because they're on the hand and the face that does make them, you know, worthy of at least an admission to the hospital to make sure there's not other issues, to make sure that they don't get infected. You know, I mean, the fact, the burn severity appears to be pretty minor based on the pictures and based on his course. The location does make them a little bit more, you know, notable just because they're on the hands and the face. Yeah, because you have to move. Yeah. So, sure you know, I, as I learned more about this, I started to ask questions and really, I, I kind of the only one that's asking questions. And so you might wonder, why does no one have the same questions I have? Well, it's because you're talking about topics that are very complex. Like if you go ask the average even doctor about what is the proper, you know, treatment algorithm for burns, a lot of them don't really know. I mean, burns are kind of a black box. And so, you know, I think there's very, very few people that would look at what's been presented and have any questions, but it just so happens that I'm one of those people that I've had that training and had that experience. And so the first thing I had a question about was uh, the fact that he was getting hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So can you roll that first video that I have? It's actually the guy talking about the treatment. It's exclusive video of Jay Leno in a hyperbaric chamber undergoing treatment for the severe burns he sustained in that terrible car fire. When you talk about the hyperbaric chamber, how critical is that in treating Jay Leno and other burn patients? It helps decrease swelling, it helps uh, increase blood flow with good oxygenation, and it helps decrease bacteria. Dr. Peter Grossman is Leno's lead doctor at the world-renowned Grossman Burn Center in Los Angeles. So there was another video too, and I couldn't, I wish I could have found it. I found it when I was doing my first research and I could not find it. But the other one said that he was getting that hyperbaric twice a day. So right off the bat, when I heard that, I was like, whoa, that's really unusual. Um, so I, I did want to take a minute to talk about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Have you guys even heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I've heard of hyperbaric chambers before. Okay, awesome. Great. So uh, I did want to talk about what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is, and I can actually tell you about it. Throw up that next picture, Travis. <laughs> I am certified in hyperbaric train in hyperbaric oh. therapy. Yeah, uh, well, because hyperbaric oxygen treatment is done very frequently at, at wound care centers, mm -hmm. um, and so I, as I've told you guys many times, I've been director of wound care centers for over ten years, and so I I got my hyperbaric you know training so that our wound center could do hyperbaric therapy. So I actually can talk you know pretty knowledgeably about it. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy is essentially where you put someone in a tube and that tube has 100% oxygen. So oxygen like in this room right now is 21%, just for baseline. This tube has 100% oxygen in it. Also, it has increased atmospheric pressure. So right now we're at one atmospheric pressure. In the tube, it's usually around two to three. So not only is it a higher percent of oxygen, it's a higher pressure. So what that does is it supersaturates your tissue with oxygen, which we have found does have 
an improvement in certain types of healing. Not only that, it can reverse certain diseases, and we'll, we'll talk about which ones those, those are. Now, the therapy is a little intense. Usually, a person would go to one therapy a day, you know, maybe four to five times per week, and they would do that for maybe four to six weeks. You know, there's kind of a regimen for each individual thing that you're treating. Um, there are some risks associated with it. There's some straight up risks of things like barotrauma, which means that your body takes damage from the pressure. Yeah. Like you can bust your eardrums, you can get like a punctured lung. Um, there is like catastrophic risk. There are reports of uh, hyperbaric chambers exploding um, because it's high pressure oxygen. Yeah. If like a flame were to happen to be lit inside that tube, it literally detonates like a bomb. Oh and that has happened in there. You know, it's not common, thankfully. It's, it's very, very rare, but there are incidents of hyperbaric chambers exploding and killing not only the person inside of it, but people around it. Yeah. Um, the other issues that are more realistic, like one, I mean, having worked in hyperbarics, like it's hard to get insurance to cover it. Like there's very few things where it's easy to get covered. I'd say the easiest is probably, the easiest common thing would be like diabetic ulcers that are resistant to treatment. Um, there are things, and we'll, we'll go over the list in a minute, that are a little bit easier. The other issue I have is really the improvements are pretty modest. I mean, all the research shows that hyperbaric helps with healing, but it's not like a miracle cure. Yeah. You know, when I worked at the level one trauma centers where, where I was running the burn unit and doing the wound care, we never put people in chambers. Why? Because we didn't need to. We can heal them without that. Yeah. Um, so I, I did want to go, uh, I have a video actually, I want to show you guys a hyperbaric chamber. I, can you roll that next video, Travis? Oh, thanks, jeez. I was trying to talk to you. Let me get out of here. I want to tell you about this machine. So this is a hyperbaric chamber. So what it does is it uses increased oxygen and high pressure to force oxygen into the tissues to allow very difficult wounds to heal. It's also used for other things like carbon monoxide poisoning, but here at the wound clinic, we use it mostly for wound healing. When the patient's in there, instead of shouting like I did, we can talk to them on this phone. So they get the treatments, it helps their wounds heal, and it's just another tool that we use to help people get better. So that was just me in my wound clinic talking about hyperbaric. It was just like a little, you know, thing. How I put long on. do you have to stay in there? So it's, it's, you know, it varies depending on what you're treating and like the settings, but you know, like 30, 40 minutes. It's not like, yeah. it's not like all day or anything like that. Yeah. It looks uh, like you can watch TV. In you can. Yeah. There's TVs <laughs> in them. Yeah. There's definitely TVs. Um, so I did want to list out like the reasons for hyperbaric therapy to be used. And so this is straight from Johns Hopkins, which I wanted to find, you know, the most reliable source because there's a lot of different you know, lists out there. So carbon monoxide poisoning, cyanide poisoning, crush injuries, gas gangrene, decompression, which would be like the bends, hypoperfusion, meaning like acute arterial hyperperfusion. If you have like a flap or graft that's doing unwell, it can help it. Osteomyelitis, which is bone infection, radiation injuries, necrotizing infections like the flesh eating bacteria, air gas embolism is also like the bends, and then severe diabetic wounds. So what you'll notice is not really on there is burns. And when I um, heard he was getting hyperbaric therapy for burns, like I was like, wait, what? And I was like, maybe like there's some new study out that shows that that's helpful because really there's no burn units I've ever heard of that use hyperbarics for, for burns. Mm. And so I did a literature search again, and I pulled up some studies and you can start putting them up there, Travis. Like the first one, 
Uh, little evidence that burn patients benefit from hyperbaric oxygen, no consistent benefit. The next one says that it's you know, basically controversial. There's insufficient evidence to support or disprove. Uh, the last one, current research are conflicting and it remains controversial. And so these are the current you know, research papers out there about hyperbarics. So you know, I have questions about that. Like, you know, for one, I, I can't imagine insurance is paying for that. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, we have problems getting like legitimate reasons covered for hyperbarics. So it's like, are they just doing it as a service? Are they charging the patient for that out of pocket? I mean, I don't know. That's, what, that's immediately what I thought. Yeah, charging out of pocket, yeah. So there was, a, so that was my first concern. So my second concern comes with the next part of that, that video. Can you roll it, Travis? In addition to his hands. Is it accurate to say he's had or will have skin grafts? He has had skin grafts that are not his own, in, meaning skin that we have in our skin bank uh, from donor skin. That's what we initially do as a first stage. He says Leno will undergo another surgical procedure later this week. So I had like a real question about that too. So what he's talking about is human allograft, or at least the way he's describing it. I mean, I guess he could be talking about something different, but human allograft does have a place in burn care. I've used it a few times. The thing is, is the, the literature and just like the standard of care for using allograft is it's only used whenever a patient has like a severe, like third degree burn and like their skin is charred and you have to cut it off because it's a risk for infection. And then you put an allograft on top of that as a temporary coverage, like donor human skin won't take like, like your normal skin. Right. So what you do is like for somebody to say, remember we told the story about the guy who had a 90% burn. Yeah. We put allograft on him because, you know, we had to strip off all that dead skin and we didn't have enough of his own skin to put on. So we put allograft on there in the meantime, while we piecemealed his own skin back on him, Yeah. you know, that's really how allografts are used. I've never heard ever of anyone using allograft for a partial thickness burn, which is what Jay Leno had. Yeah. And he had plenty of skin on his body. Right. Donate. Well, that's exactly right. But he didn't have like, a, he didn't have a, you know, classic skin graft because he didn't need it. Like mm -hmm. these are burns that are going to heal. So why in the world would they use allograft? Like that this doesn't make any sense to me. So then I was like, well, maybe, maybe he misspoke. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it's just odd. Like to me as somebody who knows a lot about burn surgery, like using allograft for a burn that really is not severe. Cause like, I, I like as someone who's seen horrible burns, like if I was going to rate burns from like one to 10, I mean, Jay Leno's burns are like a two or a three. I mean, they're partial thickness. Like, you know, it, it would be acceptable to go to the OR to debride them. You know, that'd be fine. I mean, you could probably do that at the bedside, but you know, for something that's not full thickness to use human allograft, it's just, unusual to me yeah it sounds like they just like do completely different procedures for like celebrities or something like oh he didn't want to have his skin like his, well his own skin like tampered with so maybe he elected yeah but have... the problem is is even if you use an allograft if, if if it's a wound that's so bad you have to put allograft on it you have to come back and skin graft it hmm. like that wouldn't i mean yeah I, I get what you're saying but like no the the allografts don't take like they're just temporary coverings they eventually the yeah, they'll fall off because your body recognizes it's not your skin. Like, it's just a temporary thing to, it acts as the barrier that your skin would act like. And so, yeah, it's only, it's only temporary. So I don't know. I just had questions about that. And like, I'm probably the only one out there because like in order, in order for anyone to like take note of this one, you'd have to see it, which yeah. I would never have seen this if I didn't do the show and actually look up, you know, 
research, yeah. Well, like, you know, do you know, look at plastic surgery stories. I would have never seen that. Uh, if I hadn't worked in burn units for seven years, I wouldn't have the knowledge to question the therapy, you know? And if I didn't have the knowledge of hyperbarics, I wouldn't have the knowledge to question that either. So, you know, in the United States, there's probably a handful of people that would look at that, you know, and have any questions whatsoever. But yeah. I mean, I do think it's questions worth asking because the questions I have is like, okay, if he's getting hyperbaric, who's paying for it? Like, well, I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine insurance is paying for it. And like, is, you know, are they charging patients for something that, you know, is controversial? I don't know. Yeah, like just charging him extra for things yeah. because he does have the money, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's that's my question. You know, that's the question I'm asking. And then, you know, the whole part about like the, the human allograph, like those are super expensive treatments. Yeah. Like, you know, is insurance getting billed for that? Like I, I and, and maybe the laws are different in California than Texas, but like if I coded somebody as a partial thickness burn and then tried to use allograph, insurance would kick it back. They wouldn't let me do it. Mm. So I don't know, questions and questions no one's asking. That's what we're here to ask. I wish they would say, I mean, I, I have to assume that, I have to assume that they're legit, right? I mean, yeah. that like, they're not doing something wrong, but like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I wish I, wish I knew more. I should call him. You should just, you should, so. you should comment on his uh, social media. Yeah, they would probably shut me down instantly. Do you think it's one of those things where like, you don't necessarily have to do it, but it still could be of some kind of benefit. You know what I mean? Like maybe it won't be like a huge benefit, but it'll be like maybe some kind of small. So I think with the hyperbarics, you could make that argument. Yeah, you could make the argument with the hyperbarics that, okay, yeah, this isn't the standard of care, but we're going above and beyond. Yeah, I feel like Jay Leno is probably like, just do whatever you can to make sure right. that and that's, this goes away. And that's totally fine. So and even if like, like yeah, you know, even it. if they're charging them out of pocket, but like my one concern would be is like, if they were hyperbaric therapy in every single patient that came in there, oh, you know, yeah. that's like, yeah. that's not standard of care. Care. And right. so it's like, you know, I, I showed you the research. It's controversial at, right. at best. Right. You know, I'd never heard of anyone doing that up until then. Um, but the other one about like the, the skin graft, the skin grafts, I mean, I, it, unless I'm just totally missing something, which is, is possible, like I'm taking clips from the news, you know, so it's like, yeah, I am taking it though directly from what he said. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy doing it. Right. And yeah. but, I could see the skin, the allograph, is that what you called it? Yeah, it's allograph. Yeah. I could see that being something to like question seriously because that because you because it doesn't take right it's like so. what did they do with it i mean <laughs> yeah. i would say because i'm a research guy right yeah everything that people do i'm gonna say show me the research that backs up what yeah. you're doing everything i do in my practice whether it be cosmetics reconstruction you know trauma mm -hmm. it's all based on research yeah. right yeah, but the hyperbaric chamber, maybe he just yeah, maybe. wanted that. Like, I want to do everything I can. Yeah, I mean, and maybe. It just made him and that's better. totally fine. I get that. You yeah, know, that, maybe that would be, that, that's mm -hmm. more acceptable. But I think the allograph. I don't know. I just, when I saw that guy's interview, I was like, mm hmm, just, I don't <laughs> know. Like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just too cynical. I wish they would say, maybe they'll say, you know, maybe some, maybe someone will. See this? Maybe, yeah, maybe somebody will see, see this and ask him. The YouTube's on we the We have to have a man on the inside asking the simple questions. <laughs> right, well, you do, right? I mean, because we should police as doc or whatever profession Absolutely. you're in, you should police yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like in the hospital, everywhere I'm at, I see these posters that says, if you see something that concerns you, say something. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are bad things that happen. You know, there are people getting treatments they don't need. And so, you know. And the real thing is like, 
I, like somebody like me and Sarah, we don't know like this stuff. I mean, so, so it, you don't know the questions to ask. I mean, even I would say 99%, 99% or more of doctors don't have the right pieces in their arsenal to ask the questions about that. Yeah, for sure. There's just not a lot of people, which I don't know. I kind of, when he was talking, I was like, does he seem like he's kind of nervous saying these things? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Is it a conspiracy? Is it a conspiracy? <laughs> All right. So I hope that Grossman Bernstein would say something. I'd love to hear their explanation. Educate us. We'd love to hear. Just tag him. I guess we could tag him. Yeah. I'll tag him. All right. Let's move on. So, all right. If you like that story, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear what the audience thinks. Let us know. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the last topic. This one is, a, I, I, what is up with Florida? I mean, I swear every single week we are, have some disaster story out of Florida and I, I have another Florida one. Florida always got so many problems. I mean, I feel bad for Florida. So there was a Florida, and I am you know, doing my quotes here, cosmetic doctor who was arrested for sexually assaulting sedated patients. I mean, that mugshot. Look at that mugshot. He looks yeah. like a, a really nice person. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have to disagree with you. <laughs> somebody told me, somebody told me one time, or I heard one time that the reason why things in Florida are so wild is because they breathe the same air as the alligators. That was like something that somebody <laughs> talked about. I was like, that's a funny one. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm not true it is, but I like it. Alligators are like is dinosaurs. That why, is that why alligators are so ornery? I guess. <laughs> They're breathing that swamp air. <laughs> what the are they, air. What's like the nickname for Florida? It's like uh, the armpit or something. <laughs> I don't think it's the armpit. <laughs> I the armpit. No, it's the sunshine state. No, but there's like a bad nickname. Oh, there's it. a bad nickname? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's like, is anybody really from Florida or people just go there? That's what I always say about Dallas, you know? I mean, we're all, we're all from here, aren't we? Yeah. I'm from North Texas, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's really rare, actually, like, Absolutely. to find people that live in Dallas that are from Dallas. Nowadays, oh, it's oh, yeah, yeah, we're the OGs. OGs, the 214. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 817. You're 817? I'm really forward. Close enough. Yeah. Back Close in the day, there was only two zip codes, or two area codes, 214 and 817. That was yeah. 214. Oh, really? There used yeah. to not be any Now there's area like codes. 12 area codes. I remember I when you it. dialed the phone, you didn't have area codes. Do you remember that? Yeah. And you, if you wanted to dial Fort Worth, then it, it was like extra dialed. money. No, it was extra money. Oh. This is like way back in the day. Yeah, there used to only be two area codes. I just don't remember dialing It was 214, 817, and then 972 came along. That was like a big deal because we had to change. We were initially 214, and then we got stuck in the crappy 972 area code. <laughs> like, you live in the 972? <laughs> <laughs> what are we even talking about? Oh, Florida. <laughs> okay, Florida. All right. Armpit. This is actually sad. This is a sad story. I'm going to be, be serious now. Okay. Um, all right, so this guy, his name's Dr. Eric Salata. He's... 54 years old. He's an internal medicine doctor. All right. So not a plastic surgeon. No, not even, not even in the same ballpark as a plastic surgeon. And he owns a medical spa in Naples with his wife, oddly enough. She's a nurse practitioner, I think. And so he was arrested uh, approximately 10 days ago for allegedly um, sexually assaulting patients at his facility. And so the story is it was like a 50 one-year-old and like a 73-year-old, I think, that were having old therapy, which I didn't even know what that was. I had to look it up. It's like a skin tightening procedure, which according to the, the website for the company, they say that you, you only need like topical for it. Like there shouldn't be like anesthesia for it. But what he, what he did is he, he, gave them, he gave them oral sedatives, so like Xanax or Valium, 
and then he gave them laughing gas. And then one instance, it says he gave them alcohol. Oh, wow. And these patients basically blacked out. And when they came to, he was sexually assaulting them. Like, like uh, can you say rape anymore? Like, I don't want to say that. But he was like, he was like, you know, yeah, he was like raping these patients. And, uh, of course, they reported it to the police and uh, he was arrested. And there is a very, you know, crazy twist to this. So I just saw this in the news yesterday. He, he's dead now. Like he, commi- he, he committed suicide, supposedly. Oh. Yeah, he so he was arrested and he was released on like a hundred thousand dollar bond. And you know, they put a break a monitoring break bracelet on him. And uh, what happened is was the bracelet didn't move for like 12 hours. And so the police like went and did a welfare check and they found him dead. And he, he was like out, I, they said they found him in a ditch. I mean, I assume it wasn't on the side of the road or somebody would have like saw him, but yeah, I he, wasn't sure if you if he did it like in custody or like if he had got released. Yeah, he'd gotten released. Yeah, he'd gotten released. Yeah, he, I, he killed himself. Why was he in a ditch? Maybe his wife did it and threw him in there. Well, I mean, I guess so. That was so it, the like, first like no. article was like <laughs> the first article was like, you know, what was asking was there anything, you know, was it like a patient's husband or you know, something? But the police they, they haven't released the final verdict yet, but they think it was suicide. Dang. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? So I guess, you know, with every story we talk about, like, you know, it's not just to be sensational. We, we do want to see, is there anything to be gained, like, from this story? And so, I mean, I, I, I guess, like, the, my biggest take home would be, are there certain things that should alarm you when you're having procedures? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I mean, I, I, I hate to kind of dog on, on this group of people, but I do have issue with like, like doctors who have zero training in like cosmetic or aesthetics doing stuff like that. I mean, you have an internal medicine doctor, zero training in things like, you know, skin tightening, Botox, fill, I mean, zero training, none in their training, zero. And now they're opening up a cosmetic procedure place. I mean, to me, that's a warning bell. Like right. it's a warning bell for like, are you going to, you know, get bad results more than anything not are you gonna get sexually assaulted yeah but it is a warning bell it's just something that like you know prickles up your the hair on the back of your neck if they're willing to do something that shady what else are they willing to do i mean i hate to say it but yes yeah i mean yeah right shady people do shady things it doesn't matter what man sarah you're talking hard too survey you're going hard but i mean that that, that's that's kind of what i'm dancing around is well think about that dude that that dude that was in dallas or Fort Worth or whatever, that, yeah. the anesthesiologist that was doing that weird stuff. Right. He was, and he had a history of, of like, being of being shady, shady guys. Yeah. Right. So the other thing too, like that is kind of a warning with this is, and this goes to like patients being educated is if you're, ha- if you're a patient and you're having a procedure and suddenly they're telling you that they need to give you like, you know, more treatment than you, you need, then that's an alarm bell. You know, because the person, I mean, ideally a person who's having a procedure, they should be educated. This procedure needs X, Y, and Z. And X would be, what anesthesia do I need? Well, all therapy is topical. And so at the point that they're giving me like Valium and they're giving me like laughing gas, like, I mean, if you're an educated patient, that should throw up an alarm bell. Now, I'm not at all like blaming these people for this whatsoever, but I'm just saying for people moving forward, being aware of things like that potentially could could raise a warning flag that could 
prevent an uncomfortable because the other thing outside of the fact that he was sexually assaulting them is like he was giving them so much anesthesia that they're blacking out like they could have had like a respiratory issue mm -hmm. i mean they could have had cardiac arrest and they're older and they're older 70 something yeah so that's well, kind I of i could see them i could see him giving them alcohol because he you said it was like a spa so like whenever i think spa i'm like oh yeah mimosa. but man there is just i mean but you don't mix those things there's just so much wrong with that i mean yes i i've like Botox parties, you'll see people drinking. Technically, you're not supposed to do a procedure on anyone that's been drinking because, you know, it alters their mental state and, like, can they consent to the procedure? Right. You know, so. You get uh, them to sign those before they have. Them. See, look at you. <laughs> Shady stuff. <laughs> Shady stuff. Maybe you're the criminal mastermind Maybe. between us. Um, but but I, no. But I don't, I don't smuggle fireworks, though. So. I know. That's like, that would be like prison time these days. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine my kid do stuff like that. Like, yeah, please. don't tell your children. Do you tell your children? I know. I hope my kids are watching. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I think in that story, there are a couple warning signs. You know, ultimately, when we talk about bad outcomes, where they be, you know, people dying from surgery or, you know, something horrible like this, like, it's like, what can we learn from this? Well, you know, be aware of the warning signs, you know. And, the, and these, one, these ones were subtle, but, like, they were there. I have a question. So, like, if Bring you Bring it. I love questions. Are, so, if, so, if you're going in to get plastic surgery, like, what's, like, the most, like, considerate way to be, like, okay, you're a plastic surgeon. Let me see your credentials. Dude, be direct, man. Honestly. Because like, I know some people are just, like, no, dude, I love, not that I love, love, love when patients come to me for a consult and, and they have questions and also when they test me, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think some doctors would be offended by that. But if I have a patient that comes to me and they say, okay, well, I'm here for a tummy tuck. How many have you done? I'm like, wow, okay, this person, like, really is knowledgeable about, you know, what's going to happen to yeah. them. And well, I, I mean, they should be. They should be, but most people aren't. I, have, yeah. I would say one, one in, like, 50 patients that come through my office, you know, actually test me with a question like that, like, you know, where did you train? You know, what's your board certification? Like, how many of these have you done? You know, I love questions like that because it, it shows me this patient is educated and they're likely to have, you know, a good, a, you know, good outcome. Mm -hmm. But most patients don't. Um, I mean, to be fair, like when I do consults, like I go into so much detail about, I, I, I mentioned how many of these surgeries I've done and I mentioned my training because I think it's important. And so maybe I'm not getting these questions because I'm, you're already forthcoming. I'm already forthcoming, yeah. Yeah. But not, not a lot of doctors. I just know that that's how I would feel. Like, if I was, like, going to get a procedure done, I, I wouldn't know how to ask. Yeah. I would but. tell people that if you're going to get a procedure done, ask questions. If the doctor gets upset that you're asking questions, then, then run away. Yeah. yeah, run away. Well, like, there you go. Any good doctor Easy. should be willing to answer any question you have and not be offended yeah. because you're questioning them. Like, I mean, that's nonsense that you have to have, like, some austerity around your doctor no test them yeah that's that's good that's great advice we're gonna clip that that's gonna be a good clip <laughs> <laughs> all right i think that's all i have today um i did want to once again reach out to the audience and if you're watching this please leave us a comment you know there's so many topics out there and like we try to pick stuff that's like in the news but like if you if you want to know about something either plastic surgery even health related we'd love to talk about it if you see something in on social media that piques your interest, leave us a comment. We'll look it up. We'll do an episode about it and we'll we'll give you credit for it. One question too, yeah. one comment. Well, two comments actually from uh, Dwight Crownover. Hey, what's up, Dwight? Yeah, he said, if you want a great wine, go to Edge on the Lake. Um, and if you like a great beer, uh, Dunkel. 
I guess it's a good Dunkel. Yeah, right. yeah, Dunkel is a good Edge beer. on the late wine and Dunkel. Dunkel. I'm going to look him up, Absolutely. Dwight. I'm going to look him up. And then he says, when drinking wine, he has a question. Yeah. When drinking wine, which are recommended to be healthier, blends, reds, or whites? So that's a great question. So I can answer you that in that flavanols are mostly in the grape skin. And so that's going to be your reds and your blends. Whites are not going to have that grape skin. So if you're looking for like that flavanol, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, definitely go for red. Great question, Dwight. Dude, that's a great question. Dude, that was in that supplement I was talking about. Yeah, grape skins. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? We're going to do this. I was Remember we were talking about the, the Taco Bell sunflower seeds and you were going to oh, try them? Yeah. Oh. I forgot to bring them. Next week, we are doing that. I'm so excited. That's I look at Sarah being excited. This is Sarah excited. So excited, face. <laughs> you look scared. All right, you guys. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for watching. Please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next week on Nip Talk.